3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Let's see. 28... Highly paid Wall Street analysts follow the stock of Wendy's. Most of them like the stock very much. And you know what they do? They pound the table aggressively after every good quarter. Those pushes have collectively meant very little, though. With the stock lost in the miasma of recommendations, a boat tossed on the waves of the overall market. But today, it's a date day where the Dow lost 30 points, S&P ticked up 0.02%, Nasdaq rose 0.31%, Wendy's, Wendy's stock surged more than 25%. And what did it? Positive posts on Wall Street bets. The red hot Reddit, that's R-E-D-T-I-T, if you want to follow it for. Him. Okay, you Ready? I want you to forget. I want you to forget the analyst right now. Right now, uh, the person in charge of Wendy's is Reddit user Chilsen Day. Day. Yeah, I mean, Chilsen Day. See, that's, that's that's what it is. This man's in charge of this giant chain. It's Chilsen Day. This guy explains on the site that the stock's a great buy. Why? Well he thinks the chain. It's got a new summer salad, incredibly savvy. He tweets particular that uh, roast me thing that Wendy's is doing is fantastic. The roast me thing. I don't know. I mean, even even better. Wonderstock, GameStop and Wendy's. And I quote, they've been sharing in the social media beef of meta pragmatic roasting. Is that like metallurgy? Is it like a metaphysical Beats the heck out of me? But they both follow each other. and That's what matters. More importantly, this guy notes that Wendy's is, quote, literally the perfect stock for this sub. Why? Wendy's chicken. Get this logic because this matters. Wendy's chicken tendies, a merger between food and financial gain. Yeah, because see, tendies is financial gain and and, and, the. never mind. All All right. So the guy's not Warren Buffett. I mean, you know, come on. So he doesn't have a big festival in Nebraska. He is you chosen day. Now, Chilzin Day likes the short position, too. He says it's about 4%, though, according to him, it might be as high as 10%. Well, that's wrong, but it doesn't matter. Then he throws in this quota. It's a good investment because of the salad. Okay. Now, with that and some other favorable anonymous posts, Wendy's stock explodes higher. The pin action pulled up all the restaurant stocks. I mean, it didn't matter. Wing stock, Domino's, Brinker, Shake Shack. Kind of a who's next for Wall Street bets affinity move. All right. Stop joking around. No, you have to keep joking around. What the heck is going on? All right. Welcome to the new world of Wall Street bets. The small D Democratic tout sheet that's been able to move stocks left and right because it's followers number in the millions. And right now, this strong punches above its weight because the market so thinly traded at this time of year, and, it, and also because, well, they're picking the right stocks. Now, we know what they've done with AMC. Right? That, that, don't you want that kind of move? That's the one uh, near-bankrupt movie theater chain, up 2,497% year today, day and with the Hobble GameStop up 1,492%. These gains are so great that they become irresistible to those who want to try igniting a few more stocks. And they finally branched out. Well, they've been working on that Blackberry, but now they got up 138%. Uh, Bed Bath, uh, 107%. Uh, 107%, that was not be aided by a massive short position, and a very real turnaround orchestrated by the terrific new management team. They've also glommed onto some heavily shorted former SPAC Clover Health, ripping uh, up nearly 86% today alone. It's a nice move. But Wendy's, see, Wendy's is different, people. Look, these, these stocks, you know, they're interesting, but you know, the Wendy's is Wen, Wen, Wendy's is an established company. It's one of my favorites. It's a frequent guest of Mad Money. We're both its chairman, Nelson Peltz, a legendary activist investor, or if you want to call him I'm just a, a person who gets on boards and tries to help things, like in this case, Todd Penninger, the uh, CEO. We we had a, he, he's done a remarkable job turning the company around. We had him on many times. Todd was on the show recently after the company reported a nearly perfect quarter. We often joked about how terrific their social media is. Uh, They've highlighted my wife eating a juicy Baconator all over her car. It is her favorite sandwich. Now, I've had the classic chicken sandwich and the jalapeno popper sandwich, uh, but the summer salad has eluded me. And maybe that's why I am not in you, Chills you know, his cohort yet. Despite the fact that uh, Wendy's raised dividend on that quarter, announced that its breakfast initiative is ahead of plan, and raised its full-year forecast, it's stock went down. Now, talk about pounding the table. I was pounding the Wendy's countertop to buy the stock. I, I, I clearly had no impact. Uh, I, no one was listening, not one bit, not at all. At least not as much as they listened to Chills and Day, whoever the heck that is. And you know what? I love it. I really do. I love the whole thing. I love the whole mania. First, I mean, if you own the stock, who cares what moves it higher? You just want it to go up, right? If it's because some analyst raises numbers big or a gigantic dividend booster, or takeover rumor, or some guy on Reddit saying great things about the summer salad, what's the difference? Second, so often stocks go higher after people push them, even on TV. And then those same people, they sell the stock. It's a classic pump and dump. But the experience I have seen with the Wall Street bets song is that they never sell, even when they probably should. They just buy and buy and then buy some more. i got a name for that. It's called honesty. The secret of their success is that their moves are so aggressive they wipe out any short sellers who try to bet against them. Until the throng runs out of firepower like it did in January, you'd have to be crazy to short these stocks. The bettors are essentially running pincer moves on the shorts. See, they buy the common underneath while also buying the the out-of-the-money calls. And the sellers of those calls, market makers, are selling them short because they don't own them. There's no real way to hedge that. And that's the dirty little secret of how the shorts are so easily overrun. Now, uh, the bets people, they, they cut their teeth with GameStop and AMC, two heavily shorted stocks. But they seem to have gone away. And then they made a comeback when the shorts foolishly created another opening. Now they're spreading their wings, even into institutional favorites like Wendy's, with a very low short position. As our uh, the Buffett rival Chilson Day said, um, they don't care about the traditional metrics. They don't care about earnings per share projections. They like Wendy's for the tweets, the salad, and the chicken tendies. Now, I keep hearing from complainers that these so-called meme stocks are wildly overvalued. And sure, they're wildly overvalued by traditional metrics, but so what? These metrics matter because everyone uses them. If enough people with enough money start valuing stocks a different way, their new metrics matter too, even if you think they're absurd. Hey, get this. There was a time when a Rembrandt was a blue chip, a ch- blue chip, just a fabulous Rembrandt was it, right? And Jasper Johns, he was a couple of buckets of paint thrown on a canvas. Maybe AMC is a Jackson Pollock. Hey, maybe GameStop's a glimpse. cash yeah, I said maybe. And YOLO, or Yo, as we say in Philly, maybe fellow Philadelphian Adam Aaron, the CEO of AMC, can take advantage of the fact that real estate stocks are the strongest in the entire market, and those companies have a lot of empty space. What REIT wouldn't want to a new rent-paying cinema in the mall? I like the ones that they give you the drinks and the movies. Uh, tomorrow... And throw on a little dinner. Tomorrow, GameStop reports. Given where the stock is trading, Ryan Cohen, the chairman, has a lot of flexibility. What if he announces that he's going to buy a series of video game companies with the stock and offer those games free to GameStop's 55 million power-up rewards members? What if he announces a series of global competitions with winners paid in, you bet, cryptocurrencies? I don't know if that's even a good business plan, but it's got a ton of meme potential, and that's what GameStop trades on. It trades on, it trades on the salad. Why not become the preeminent seller of Ethereum chipboards made by Nvidia, which are currently the hottest thing being sold in retail right now and a major reason for the semiconductor shortage. I could argue that the 55 million power-up rewards members could be worth billions if harnessed Correctly. Now, I can hear some of you saying, "Kramer, who the heck will be dumb enough to be paid in overinflated shares of AMC or GameStop?" Honestly, if the Wall Street bets strong keeps buying, they can keep doing secondary offerings. So they can pay with cash. There's a perception that this all has to end. And it's going to come. To, uh, there's going to come a day. Blah blah blah. Look, after all, we've seen this before. It happened in January, and then everything fell apart. And yeah, eventually the meme stocks will run out of steam. But for now, I think they're just getting started. Who knows? Maybe we're in that. You know that post-impressionism period, you know, Cezanne, stage, going to Picasso. You take that spots and dots course like I did, and we take Ben Beth. I think the turn is real. I've been behind it the whole way, just like I've been behind Wendy's, proclaiming that this comeback story deserves far more attention, because CEO Mark Tritton, hey, by the way, late of Target, is engineering remarkable rebranding, even as the 33% of the stock is sold short. Well, those are idiots who are 33%. Those people are idiots, okay? Because this is a recipe for a short squeeze, which is exactly what's happening right now now. So here's the bottom line. In 40 years, I have seen many a stock pushed higher by people with a totally vested interest, offering specious arguments and bogus logic, only that to have them dump the stock on the unsuspecting. At least with the Wall Street bets people, they have no heirs. I mean, if Mad Tendies, yes, I'm not kidding. That's one of the people and he uses our own logo. If Mad Tendies falls in love with Wingstop, it's to the moon. YOLO. And you probably want to ticket aboard. Max and Marilyn, Max. Big booyah, Jimmy, chill. Yo, man, chill's in right day. Right? Chill's in day right back at ya.
2: <laughs> hey, Jim, long-time fan here, first-time caller. Uh, my stock uh, is uh, described as a best-in-class innovator for, uh, in the crypto economy. Uh, I believe it's uh, one of your favorite uh, hood stocks.
3: You know, Kathy Wood's uh, top ten holding currently. Oh, okay. And uh,
4: multiple investing houses have like uh, recommended this stock. You know, way above uh, the IPO reference price uh, of two fifty dollars.
3: I'm talking about Coinbase here, right? Uh, Well, remember uh, what I said was I didn't want people paying that price that was going to be where it was going to open. Uh, But Coinbase did come public. I was, of course. uh, just tr- trash for that, but it was where I didn't want people to pay it. I wanted to pay lower, walk away. But here's what happened. It came public just when uh, when Bitcoin peaked. And there really was, the, you know, they're, they're basically one and the same. And that's what happened. And look, if you own a stock and it goes higher, what what do you care about what makes it go higher? You just want it to go up, right? So I say, all oh, aboard, Yolers. I want some of these moves. Well maybe it's right. Is it game one for Activision Blizzard investors? I'm sitting down with CEO to find out what's ahead for the stock. Then I'm hitting the road with Thor after earnings to see if it could smooth out a ride for your portfolio. And good news for those of us suffering from migraine. And it could also be good news for your portfolio. I'll reveal it. So stay with
5: Chilzendeck. No, Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money.
0: Visibility at indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need indeed.
3: For years we've been pushing video games as one of the great secular growth stories of our time. But there's one company that embodies the way the industry is heading, and that's Activision Blizzard. And they would never, well, I don't know, never came on the show until today. And I am darn excited about this. You know Activision Blizzard is Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, and dozens of other huge titles like Candy Crush. About two years ago, they made a conscious decision to change the way they do business. Rather than depending on episodic new releases, they shifted to an always on strategy where mobile games, even free to play ones, would keep users engaged between major new titles and keep them paying through in game transactions. It's taken some time for investors to come around, but the strategy turned out to be a brilliant one. And the stock has now surged from around $40 in early 2019 to 96 today. Could it have more room to run? I'm betting it can. Let's take a closer look with Bobby Kodik. He's the CEO of Activision Blizzard. Learn more about the strategy shift and the outlook going forward. Bobby Kotick, welcome the buddy.
4: Jim, thanks for having me.
3: Well, Bobby, first of all, Appreciate I have to it. tell you.
4: Appreciate the opportunity.
3: Of course, you have been you are the longest serving tech tech CEO in this country. 30 years, and it's killed me that you haven't come on because of what you've accomplished. And what you've accomplished, I just want people to know this, this is important, that uh, if you, over the last 20 years, Activision's total shareholder return increased 4,400%, S&P, 396%. So you've been one step ahead almost the whole way. What have you done to constantly recreate Activision Blizzard?
4: That's a great question. You know, I think we've got an incredible team of people and everybody is very focused on our customers and our players and making sure that we're always delivering the best content. And that's you know, funny. I actually, I was on the show. I think it was probably 20 years ago. You know, I, I think I met you. It was, you were Kramer Berkowitz when I first met you, but. I met you in um, I, apartment. Do you remember that? Oh one? yeah, you're right. We met. <laughs> No, it was in Dirk. It was actually in Dirk Ziff's apartment. I think we met with Eddie Lampert. But um, uh, you know what? It's always been this like maniacal focus on the customer. And yeah, you know, today we have 425 million customers, so we have to really pay attention. But that's really been, uh, the, I think, the secret to the success. The numbers, the sheer numbers of people who play your games. We're talking about
3: hundreds of millions of people.
4: Yeah, hundreds of millions across 190 countries. You know, it's funny, I'm on the board of Coca-Cola and they always say that they operate in 204 countries. And whenever I come back after a Coke board meeting, I always say to our guys, we're missing 14 countries. We've got to figure out how to get into those other 14 countries.
3: Well, you've got uh, the full panoply. I mean, I've got a guy on my staff who became an actual sharpshooter in the Israeli Defense IDF because he was a champion Call of Duty player. And then every night, my wife, before she goes to bed, does Candy Crush. And I asked her, I said, listen, I'm seeing Bobby Kotick tonight. Why? And she said something because she goes, I don't think of anything when I play. It clears my head. So you've got one people who are totally concentrated on on whatever they have to do to win in uh, call of duty. But you do have this other cohort and I'm, largely women, I believe, who have embraced Candy Crush. How did you figure out that this is a curious ad picture of products?
4: Well, look, you know what? I think we look at the universe and say, all right, there's billions of potential customers. How do we make sure that we get as many of those customers as we possibly can? And in the case of Candy Crush, it's probably something like 130 million monthly active players who are between the age of 25 and 45. But it's exactly as your wife describes it. It's like a moment of joy, you know, a moment of distraction. You know, it gives you something that you can actually focus on that gets you out of the rigor of your daily life. And that's what people love so much about it. With the games like Call of Duty or our Blizzard games, Those are more organized competition, and they're incredibly social. And that's one of the really big changes that's happened in the games business is that now these games are the ways, the way that you connect with people, you connect with friends, you have the ability to have much more of a social experience. And that's what I think has actually made them more interesting, more popular, more engaging.
3: All right. Two things that you have done that I think set you apart. One is you took a pay cut. I don't think you had to because I care about how a stock does, but you did. And the other is you donate a ton of money to veterans via the Call of of Duty endowment. And I think these are important because that's what my my friends who play Call of Duty said. You better mention that because it's not mercenary. This guy cares. Tell us about both.
4: So uh, the, the pay cut, look, I've been doing this for 30 years. I own a lot of stock in the company. I don't Come to work for my compensation, and our our comp committee goes out and they do a very good job of shareholder outreach and Over the last couple of years, I think there 's been a change in the way that people like to see uh, CEO compensation, so we just took a approach go to the twenty fifth percentile of our peer group, if that means a fifty percent pay cut uh, you know i 'm fine with that, and I think one of the things that was important about it is we're a very performance-focused culture. And salary isn't a performance-based measure. So it was a very easy thing for me to say when the comp committee said, take a a cut in your pay, that it actually reinforces the fact that we're a very performance-focused culture. So that wasn't that hard. The Call of Duty Endowment, we founded it a little over 10 years ago. And I don't want to tell you the whole story, but I had gone to see the uh, Secretary of uh, the Veterans Affairs at the time and uh, talked to him about something not related to this. And I didn't know that over the last 10 years, veterans in the United States had an almost three times less likely chance of finding a job than an ordinary citizen. You think about that, you're going and serving your country, you're making these huge sacrifices, you come back and you're three times less likely to find a job, and there was a stigma that was associated with serving in Iraq or Afghanistan. And, you know, the game is a military simulation. It's rooted in a lot of the, you know, the history of the military. And so we really felt that one of the ways that we could really make a difference would be to actually use the profits of the game to help fund the uh, the identification of opportunities for veterans for employment. And to date, we've probably found over 80,000 jobs for veterans, That's but great. these are Excellent jobs. Right. They're not, you know, low paying jobs. They are high quality jobs. They're long tenured. Our organizations are very focused on making sure that the HR departments of the companies that we place our veterans into are adept at actually developing their talents and recognizing their talents. And so it's been a probably the most rewarding thing I've ever been involved in besides raising children.
3: Right. Well, I salute you for that uh, because it does matter. We try to get guests on and talk about these things because we want other people who aren't doing it to learn from your example. Bobby Kotick, CEO of Activision Blizzard. Thank you for coming on the show.
4: Jim, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
3: Guys, this is a great stock. I know some people were saying, listen, now, what happens when the pandemic ends? This is not that. This is a secular growth stock. People have sampled this now and maybe taken more. Or you just look at my wife before she goes to sleep. And now she's playing this darn thing. Man, money's back after the break. Could this RV play make you a happy camper? We're talking to Bob Martin of Thor coming right
2: up. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric.
3: What the heck has happened to the RV and motorhome stocks like Thor Industries, THO? Okay, I'm a big believer in the great outdoors thesis, and this part of it in particular should be red hot. The whole industry came into 2021 with very low inventories, giving them tremendous pricing power because demand remains incredibly strong. But none of it seems to matter to this market. This morning, Thor Industries reported what I sure thought was a spectacular quarter. They gave us a 95-cent earnings beat off of the 234 basis. Their sales came in at just under $3.5 billion. Wall Street was looking for about 3000000000 billion. We're talking about 105% revenue growth. Thor's backlog is up 550% year-over-year. These numbers are stunning, and they're post-pandemic. So it's not about some sort of worry about the end of the pandemic. Yet, after opening slightly higher, stock rolled over, finished the day down more than 1%. We have to get to the bottom of this because it's just too crazy. Earlier today, we had a chance to speak to Bob Martin, the president and CEO of Thor Industries, in front of one of his company's beautiful machines here at CMC headquarters in Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey. Take a look. Bob, it's unbelievable to see you in person. (laughs) You look fabulous. And for our viewers, the numbers are fabulous. And I want to know, how is it possible that you're basically out of these machines i'm talking about 14 billion in backlog isn't that like till 2022 2023
7: going pretty much for uh, sold out for the next year really when you look at backlog and the the secret is you look at our dealer's inventory which is virtually none and a lot of what we have coming in are retail solds so that is giving what us confidence. what that means yeah well well they the customers have already bought them and they put them on order so we have we have backlogs that are full of retail orders so those will hit the dealer's lot and then leave. And so we're still not able to build inventory at our dealer's lots.
3: Well, Bob, if that's the case, though so many people who told me this is a COVID play and once COVID is done, you're not gonna sell any of these are
7: already wrong. You know, for us, we we never saw it as a COVID play. For us, uh, COVID it was you know something that drew a lot of people to the business, but the percentage wasn't that high. And for us, we look at this really being what you term you know years ago secular yes so this has brought younger buyers into the RV industry and we're seeing it every day with small motorhomes like this Thor Delano uh, you know down to our, our little entry level a 19-foot Springdale that you can get for less than twenty thousand dollars but it's all the way up to the big Tiffin uh, Integra motorhomes
3: all right now I was inside earlier I'm talking about it handcrafted Italian I'm talking about a Mercedes wheel, and I'm talk- steering wheel and I'm talking about the fun that you and Amy had <laughs> driving on your 25th anniversary to come see us.
7: Well, you know, what girl doesn't want to come see Jim Cramer on her 25th anniversary? So it, it is today is our date, but uh, today was also earnings. And it was really important to get back to some normal uh, feeling of, of an in-person interview. I, I always right. like coming out here and doing that with you. So we drove, this is our motorhome. We drove this right. from Indiana through Ohio, through Pennsylvania. And I, I forgot what a beautiful drive it is. Well, let's talk about that. When you take the drive,
3: some people like to tow. Right. Other people like to actually have the works. Yep. Which are the most popular? And which are the most popular with younger people? Because I've been
7: seeing the average age of buyers come down, maybe even considerably. Considerably. I, right now, the U.S. market is still about 80% uh, travel trailer fifth wheel, what we call towable, right. And that's the majority of what we make at Thor. And
3: including under, Airstream, which is a lot of people, younger people are so excited about.
7: Yes, Airstream, Jayco, Keystone, we, we make many tollable brands and 20% is motorized. And, and motorized right now uh, in the U.S., it's, it's becoming smaller. So it's, you know, the, the Ford Fiat chassis, right. or I'm sorry, the Fiat chassis, the uh, Ford Transit, the Mercedes chassis, you see this growing. Uh, in the retail stats uh, by amazing numbers, which are to these younger buyers.
3: Now, also, there's a great secular story about minorities who have decided, you know what, welcome aboard, right? I mean, yeah. one in.
7: Yeah, just yesterday we uh, were part of a coalition that we, we want to invite everybody. Right. I mean, this is, uh, you know, inclusion is just great for the RV industry. Everybody needs to be able to go outside. Uh, enjoy the outside for their mental health, physical health, and so for us, we we want to invite everybody to the RV industry and to the outdoors.
3: Right, you dominate this country. You've got a terrific factory in
7: San Casciano, Italy. I only know that because I've been there many times. Europe too. Europe too. Europe is as strong as the U.S. right now. Uh, we have six factories in Germany, uh, two or three in uh, in Italy, one in the U.K. And as, you know, lockdowns happen, or as they come off, people are still allowed to go use their campers. Okay. And they're buying them. They're, we're, we're not even going to shows in Germany right now. We're, we're selling That's them incredible. through the dealers. And it's uh, incredible backlogs there as well.
3: All right, so, but people always were saying, okay, well, Jim, you didn't say why did the stock dip on a given day? Well, I know the stock was down from 150 in March. Now, some of it, we happen to believe that these, this part of, of America, what makes everything, Yeah. Has gotten too expensive that the that you're literally paying too much versus plan, and that that might be hurting things.
7: Yeah, I mean, right now costs are going up and and the supply chain's more difficult. But for us right now, COVID or what just or parts, uh, parts in general. It's COVID. It's COVID. Even semiconductors. Well, even the chips. The chips go in the chassis. So a lot of things are affected due to the the chip shortage. The deep freeze in Texas affected things, but. Those are all things that were part of this this unbelievable quarter we just had. We had these challenges, and our companies really rallied. And they they worked so hard to get the products out in a high-quality manner.
3: All right, so my natural question is, why don't you double the darn price? I mean, if people went in so much, is it Bob Martin not wanting to do that? I mean, what's going on? Why not, Delano, why not say, listen, Jim, I just raised it 50%.
7: Part of it for us we want people to buy these and then trade up okay we want them to buy you know th- this is my seventh motorhome. Okay. And we started as a normal you, you know, and i you know, took this it's like the whaler it, it is because, yeah. it's the brunswick model yeah yeah the the, the boat industry is doing the same right. thing and people last year they were buying what they could get and then they started ordering what they wanted and right now we see this as a long-term right. trend and we Get people in at an entry-level price, entry-level product. They grow throughout their their lifetime. And people trade every three to five years. But right now, we're seeing it a little bit quicker. And we see this for a long runway.
3: Well, some of it has to be cultural shift in America. Yeah. I mean, how much do people, frankly, not want to go to a box hotel? Yep. Rather go to a campground. uh, Enjoy, actually, the the outdoors. You spent night last in the outdoors. And and just kind of, this is the new travel leisure, isn't it?
7: Yeah, I mean, for us, we're, we're seeing people, they, they feel safe. They feel like they can go anywhere. Yes, they can get yes. up. They can, they can change, uh, you know, the, the, where they're going to stay from night to night. But you always have your comforts of home. You know, we pulled into a KOA in, in Pennsylvania, and we, we, were, we had our home with us. Well, you know, you had go. our own pillows, had our own linens, uh, made dinner on our, our I never want to be in a
3: hotel. I don't want those pillows anymore. I know <laughs> I, I shouldn't be so superstitious, <laughs> but, yeah, I want my own. Exactly. And that's what you've created. Bob Martin, CEO of Thor. Amy Martin, somewhere out there, our 20th anniversary. I'm going to violate every single rule. No, I won't violate every single rule. But, uh, you know, I've felt your stock has been, been cheap forever, and we've made a lot of money for viewers. And this stock should be at its 52-week high, which would be about almost, a, what, a 50% move?
7: You heard it here. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Great
5: to see you. Coming up. Can a biotech stock be a safe haven for investors? Kramer checks in with Biohaven, fresh up a key FDA approval. Next.
3: A week and a half ago, there was a major breakthrough for people like me who suffer from migraine. Biohaven Pharmaceuticals, which makes an incredible cute migraine pill that I take myself, Nurtek ODT, got FDA approval to use that drug to prevent migraines. That is now the only drug that's been approved both to prevent migraines and to stop them once you've got one. Now, buy stock has been a real wild trader, surging to 100 bucks and changed last November, then plunging to the low 60s this spring as part of the rotation of growth stocks. Just a few weeks ago, it was at 66. But thanks in part to the news, it surged back to the mid-90s. I wouldn't be surprised if it's got more upside. This morning, Biohaven rang the opening bell at the New York Stock Exchange to celebrate. So let's take a closer look with Dr. Vlad Korik, the CEO of Biohaven Pharmaceuticals, to learn more. Dr. Korik, welcome back to Mad Money.
1: Thanks, Jim. Really appreciate having us back.
3: All right, so Vlad, I wake up, I go to my, you know, I go immediately to my uh, Apple. I look at the weather and the weather says there's going to be a thunderstorm in seven hours. So I know I have to take a Nurtech. Because I will get a migraine if I don't, because that's what happens to the barometric change. This idea of taking it ahead of time has got to be just as big as taking it when you get one.
1: Jim, this is a monumental approval for Biohaven and patients with migraine, because as you described it, People know what their triggers are, and they're looking for something that they can actually prevent a migraine from coming on and not disabling their lives. And as you, you know, aptly described it, uh, you know, you can identify when it's going to come and take something now. And we can now say, uh, you know, that Nurtec ODT is approved for the preventative treatment of migraine.
3: Well, it's important. I did not take it preventatively until it got approved. Uh, I, take, I usually take it uh, five minutes into one. And it gets, it gets better I mean, instantly, but why ever get one? Now, I am lucky. I am the, uh, the chief spokesman for the American Migraine Foundation. I do a lot of work on this. But I read about the National Headache Foundation survey. And, Doc, 67% of people with migraine who have tried or are currently taking preventive feel like they're chasing an unreachable goal? You and I both know that not only is
1: it reachable, but it's in hand. Absolutely, Jim. And we've been working on this for years to deliver this disruptive treatment that for the first time, one pill can be used for the acute treatment, and then also to prevent your next uh, episode. And look, I've been practicing medicine for 25 years. And this is the first time we have a single migraine medication that can do both of these things. And this is going to change the paradigm in which migraine is treated, Jim.
3: But what's incredible, Doc, is I was with someone this weekend and they said, do you know that Whoopi Goldberg has migraine and do you know that there's something to take? And I was like, I mean, I could not believe I'm so clearly identified with the cause. You've been on a number of times. We are so nowhere in terms of getting the word out.
1: Well, thanks to you as a spokesperson of the American Migrant Foundation and Whoopi Goldberg and Khloe Kardashian and hundreds of our patients, we are using the patient voice to inform people about this new treatment and they have waited for too long for this and it's finally here. Patients for years have demanded better treatments and I'm really pleased and proud of the Biohaven team that has delivered this new one treatment that now patients can customize for acute or preventative care.
3: I said, "Doc, I've always been focused on migraine because I think obviously there are 40 million sufferers, and major, you know, a percentage majority women." Uh, over uh, indexed in minorities. So incredibly important to get the word out. I have not asked you about how the ALS study's going. You've got something for OCD and for multiple system atrophy. I actually have not that I don't care about those, but it's so monumental what you've accomplished in migraine. But give me a read on some of those others because they are in trial.
1: Jim, we have a deep pipeline in neuroscience and what we've delivered for migraine patients, we wanna deliver for other patients with neurologic and psychiatric disorders. Our recruitment in our ALS uh, trial is ahead of schedule with our partners at MGH, they're running our trial. We expect that study to completely end enrollment by the end of this year. We also have another important readout uh, of a drug called Verdeprostat in multiple system atrophy, which is a terrible neurodegenerative disorder. And we have pivotal top line results in the third quarter. Our team has delivered earlier results. And then of course, OCD and spinal cerebellar attacks are reading out next year, but you can see We have a robust pipeline, and we want to bring new therapies to patients with neurologic disorders.
3: But in fairness to people who may suffer from these, these are the toughest, Doc. I mean, look, I'm so thrilled that we're uh, tackling Alzheimer. I'm not sure how good that drug is, frankly. But what you're trying to tackle, what many, many people have failed at, what makes Biohaven have something that the other guys don't that make it so you're tackling diseases that people have thrown their hands up for years?
1: Jim, we have— demonstrated our ability to excel in the research and the science of these disorders. And you're right, we may not win in all of them, but what we're going to do differently is have a more efficient uh, clinical trial design where we get our answers sooner. We understand whether there's a signal in patients, and then we follow only those compounds where we see a clear proof of confidence signal and that we are confident that we are affecting the underlying disease. And then we're going to put resources towards those compounds. So, uh, as I like to say, we're a modern day uh, pharmaceutical company, efficient, uh, nimble, agile, and we're going to continue to go after these really tough diseases. Well,
3: I think it's so the last question I want to ask you is we know abvi I, I have Ubrelvie in my in my bag. Uh, I have that's an alternative that uh, yeah. Abvi's a, a giant company. I would think that they were the ones that would have Whoopi, and they were the ones that would have Chloe. But you guys are the ones that are, are first to market, and you're the ones that are most visible. The idea, as everyone told me, that AbbVie would crush Biohaven has not occurred.
1: Jim, I remember last year, all the questions. Would Little old Biohaven be able to compete against the Goliath of AbbVie? Would we be able to differentiate and get the triptans? Would we get a first cycle approval and prevention? I think we've answered all of those questions. And we showed that you can have a a team, a smaller team of high performers who can deliver for patients and shareholders. And we want to keep on doing that Uh, regardless of the size of our competitors. We're going to stay focused on creating value for patients uh, and value for our shareholders.
3: Well, look, congratulations on the approval. It's meaningful to 40 million people. They just got to know that they've got something. Dr. Vlad Korak, CEO of Biohaven Pharmaceuticals. Great to see you again, sir.
1: Great to see you,
3: Jim. Thanks. Okay, okay again, full disclosure, I am uh, the chief spokesperson for the American Migraine Foundation, which is unpaid, by the way. Uh, but I will say I want people to know about these drugs because there are too many people who tell me I have migraine. I wish there was something for it. And there is. They have money's
5: back everywhere. Coming up next. Let's make money together. What do we got? Kramer's bringing the thunder and answering your burning questions in today's edition of The Lightning Round.
3: And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Steve, daddy. That the lightning round. I'm going to start with Brian in New York. Brian.
4: Hello, Kramer. Thank you for educating us all. Oh, I was, good was man. wondering about uh, Kimberly Clock if it's still a good buy. Well, I
3: got to tell you something. Uh, Jimmy Chol's concerned because the only reason we want to buy that stock right now is that 3.5% yield because that was not a good quarter. I'm even going to go far as to say that was a bad quarter. We need to go to Ken in Florida. Ken.
1: Hey, Jim. Thank you so much for taking my call. I think you're awesome. I watch you every morning. Oh, and every
3: thank night. you, partner. Thank you.
1: I, I was just wondering what your, what your thoughts are uh, on the stock, which is cool, uh, coming off its highs in March. The ALGT Allegiant Air.
3: Oh, no, I like it. It's a tra- just a pure travel play, and we want to get as many travel plays as we can because we know that people are starting to go away, and they're a beneficiary. Perry into your Perry.
7: Hey, Jim, uh, long-time uh, watcher and listener, first-time caller. Oh,
5: great. Good to have you.
7: Uh, I want to thank you for all your uh, hard work. I, I saw uh, an interview with uh, Catherine Ross, and I didn't realize the hours you work for us, but... Uh, it's incredible. And what you do for the average investor oh, uh, is, is just incredible. Thank and you. I got honest, some great platforms. And uh, uh, you I, admit when you're wrong, and uh, oh, very yeah. few people do that. So well, thank you. I, want I to mean, that. look, this, I got great platforms stock, and great people I the work truth. with. Okay. This, uh, the stock is the gap. And I saw an interview that you did with uh, Ms. Single. I have a lot of confidence in her and her
4: ability to turn around gap. And they're killing it with... Uh, Old Navy and Atlanta, and I think they're going to turn around the Gap. I just wondered what you think about. I
3: think you're dead right, my friend. First of all, thank you for those kind words. Did anyone see the Kanye West, the single $200 jacket today? I thought it looked great. And it's the first of many. Gap is reinventing itself right in front of our eyes. And the stock is going, I think, higher. Sandy in Texas, Sandy. (laughs) Booyah, oh, Jim. How are oh, yeah, you? Booyah. Oh, What's going on?
0: This is your loyal and devoted fan, Sandy, calling from Dallas Cowboys country. Jim, if one is thinking of buying some Pitney Bow stock, do you think
3: it's a good idea? And if so, is now a good entry point? I think the Cowboys are kind of like Pitney Bow's when you think about it. When was the last time they've been in the playoffs go that far? I mean, they were in that playoffs, what, they lost to the Seahawks very quickly? I mean... Um, all right. Now, here's the problem. PBI is, a, is engineering a turnaround, uh, and I think that the turnaround could be real, but I got to hear back from Mark. We had Mark Lawton back on. I want to know if the turnaround's real, and then we'll pay, make a decision. And the Cowboys do look good this year, as much as it pains me to say that. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the
5: Lightning Round! The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Kramer on why business as usual must include a genuine effort on behalf of all stakeholders. Next.
7: Jim Kramer, you're one of my heroes. Alex look forward to your show every weeknight. Thank you so much for helping beginning investors like me. When you talk about the market, I just believe that you're spot on. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Every night we watch you, I have learned and earned.
3: All right, so it's 8.15 a.m. today, busy morning, and we're trying to figure out the meme stocks, of course, the upgrades, the airlines, all the usual fare that controls the day-to-day action. Just at that moment, a press release hits. MasterCard Foundation to deploy $1.3 in partnership with African CDC to save lives and livelihoods. End quote. It goes on. The foundation will acquire vaccines for more than 50 million people and support the delivery of vaccinations for millions more. End quote. Of course, it's dutifully read. But then the news cycle moves on. Technically, MasterCard created the foundation through a gift of stock when it came public. And that uh, really foundation is now the largest shareholder. In addition to the $1.3 billion that the foundation is contributing, companies adding $100 million of its own capital to help stem the pandemic worldwide, most recently with beds and oxygen tanks, which is a severe shortage in India. Now, why should we even care about this other than the goodness of our collective hearts? First, with governments around the world either cash-strapped or too dysfunctional to accomplish anything, business has become the greatest force for social change. A phrase we get from Mark Benioff, the CEO of Salesforce.com, who spent billions of his own money and Salesforce's money in an effort to fight the pandemic. Salesforce sent a Boeing 787 recently filled with medical supplies to India in solidarity with their 4,000 employees over there who are struggling with one of the worst outbreaks in the world. Mark always says, quote, we have a responsibility as leaders to improve the state of the world, not just sell more software, which brings us back to MasterCard. This company recognizes its responsibility as a leader and wants to do more than collect credit card transaction fees. But at the end of the day, this is mad money, not mad philanthropy. And I'm betting MasterCard has still another goal here. Sure, they're doing the right thing. We love that. But there will be a sort of ethereal return on investment, an ethereal ROI. Think about it. When we finally beat the pandemic worldwide, which we will, what credit card will the institutions and the people around the world prefer? Uh, This is their bid to take over the African market, which is going to be one of the biggest markets in the world. Just as important for the future of MasterCard's business is who they can recruit to work there when they get out of good school or any school, frankly. Younger people don't want just paychecks. They want to identify with their employer and be proud of it, or at least not be ashamed. This kind of move is how you recruit the most talented people. Finally, MasterCard gets a seat at the world table because of donations like this. When you start throwing big donations around, world leaders want to know what you're thinking. In particular, they want to know where you might donate next. Now, my hope is that others will see this and say they want in, they want to lead, because institutions these days, traditional stalwarts, are often in disarray and weakened. But business has rarely been stronger, and it is time to pony up like MasterCard, because the job of a company is not just to sell widgets, but to help make the world a cleaner, healthier, safer, and better place. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere and I promise try to find it just for you right here on mad money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now.
2: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do.